Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, what's up? This is Brian Tishy from Whitesnake. <laughs> and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Christy Hemi, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Richard Christie from Charred Walls of the Damned, and you are listening to Talking Metal. All right. Hey, this is Chris from Lamb of God, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hello, this is Tony Iommi, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne, and you're listening to Talking Metal. <laughs> yeah, this is Jim Brewer, and you're listening to Talking Metal! Hi, this is Ian Hill from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Vince Hill, you're rocking with Talking Metal! Fucking it! What's up? This is Dave Navarro, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Devin Townsend from Strapping Young Lad, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Herman Z. German Rebel. You're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Amanda Somerville, and you are listening to Talking Metal. All right, we're going to do a number now of our Volume 4 album. It's a number entitled Snowblind. <laughs> Listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Turn it up. Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. We're going to talk a lot of rock and metal on today with Brian Tishy. But first off, a big Talking Metal toast with Mr. John Astronomy. Hey, Mark. We are at O'Looney's, which is a very famous Irish pub in midtown manhattan so we are happy to be back hanging out at a bar on talking metal yes a little bit quieter than the episode we did at smith's uh where we really weren't that buzzed i think it was just so loud that we couldn't hear much you know absolutely i remember getting to smith's and oh soup is right here john soup has arrived thank you 
you remember getting dismissed. Yeah, I remember getting dismissed, and it was so loud that everything I said, even while we were recording, came off sounding like, you know, we were out of our minds, but we were not. It was just that the club or the bar was so loud, and uh, we basically had to just yell to be heard. And I'm really excited, guys, because Brian Tishy, who is a special guest on today's podcast, is somebody that I've known since 1987 when um, I actually also met Mark back up at Berkeley College of Music, and I got to thank Brian because he really helped me get through a couple of proficiencies, which is basically like a, a performance final test, and if it wasn't for Brian, there were at least one or two proficiencies that uh, he really helped me pass. Cool, and I know there's probably a lot of listeners out there right now that are probably saying, who the heck is Brian and why do we want to listen to an interview with him? Let me tell you, he's jammed with Slash. He's gone on tour with Ozzy, playing Ozfest as Ozzy's drummer. He is jammed with Eddie Van Halen, uh, and he's going to talk about all this in the interview. So if you're a fan of Van Halen, if you're a fan of Velvet Revolver, if you're a fan of Ozzy Osbourne, stay tuned because we got some good talk. Uh, he, he goes and uh, really talks a lot about Joe Holmes, the great kind of almost forgotten Ozzy guitar player from the uh, 90s. Uh, he shares his opinions on Guns N' Roses. He talks about Slash. He talks about Foreigner, Billy Idol. The list goes on and on. Lots of good rock and metal talk in today's show. And he actually uh, rounds things up at the end talking about one of his favorite bands, Meshuggah. And we end today's show with a great song by Meshuggah, which was Brian's choice. Right now, let's get into a little... Brian Tishy on the drums. What are we going to hear, John? Why don't we hear Fox on the Run from Ace Frehley's Anomaly record, and Brian is the drummer on this, which is very, very cool.
Hey, that was Fox on the Run by Ace Frehley featuring Brian Tishy, our very special guest today on the drum kit. Cool. We're going to get into some more music by Brian, but and then, of course, our interview with Brian. But let's uh, do some plugs here. So many different places you can visit Talking Metal online. We have John's Facebook page, which if you go to TalkingMetal.com, uh, there is a link uh, on the upper part of the screen that will take you right to John's Facebook page. Stay connected with John on Facebook. Stay connected with us both on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Talking Metal. Sometimes our good friend Victor Ruiz also sends out tweets through the uh, Talking Metal Twitter account. Victor, of course, has the Mars Attacks podcast. little plug there for Mars Attacks. Check that out. And uh, we have, of course, the Talking Metal YouTube page, which I think is a really cool page. We have some great stuff up there. Uh, we just posted John and I jamming Looks the Kill, which I think sounds great. Yeah, it really does. And I was playing bass on that. And for me, I'm not really the most accomplished or experienced bass player. And uh, doing the classic Nikki Six part on a Gibson Thunderbird bass, which is what Nikki plays uh, most of the time, uh, was really, really cool. And I, I'm surprised at how, not surprised that you know we we're capable of sounding good, but I'm just surprised at how good that live recording sounded. Yeah, so check out Looks the Kill, covered by John, myself, and some of our friends like Dan Lorenzo and Alan Tecchio from Hades nonfiction fame, on youtube.com slash talking metal. And I would also like to point out that there's a lot of other clips up there that are just awesome. There's a clip of John and I and Zach Wilde and Bumblefoot actually writing and jamming a song together at the uh, Gibson Guitar Studios. All sorts of cool clips like us jamming with Exodus, us jamming with In This Moment... John interviewing Ace Freely and even doing a little playing with Ace. How's Ace doing, by the way? Ace is doing great. He's working on his brand new book, which will be coming out some point next year, probably early next year. I don't know the exact release date, but it is going great. We're working on photos. Ace is working on the actual text, text and it's going to be an awesome book, and you definitely got to pick it up when it comes out. Excellent. What publisher is it on? It's being published by Simon & Schuster through MTV and VH1 Books. Very cool. Well, we will look out for that. I'm reading a great book right now, which I wanted to mention, called Off the Rails. It is by Rudy Sarzo, and it's all about his time in the Ozzy Osbourne band, the Blizzard of Oz band, and I'm about halfway through it right now. It's really good. I am thoroughly enjoying it. The only thing I question about it is... is Rudy in the book details these like you know word for word conversations he had with Ozzy or with Randy or with Sharon and and I tell you I can't remember what I said yesterday uh, nonetheless you know 30 years ago or I know this book's been out a few years already so let's give him the benefit of the doubt 26 years ago when he wrote it maybe but uh, um, I'm I, I wish that Rudy would have a slight disclaimer saying these conversations aren't word for word, they aren't exact, but this is kind of how things, I remember things going. But he never really says that, and that's, that's my only beef with the book so far. And maybe he assumes that we assume that, but 
I'm always one like I like Slash's book a lot in in the way he wrote it. You know, he's like, this is how I remember it. I'm not saying this is how it happened, but this is the way I remember it. I kind of like hearing that because, you know, you start putting words in people's mouth, and 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 sometimes, you know, um, they end up becoming fact when maybe they're not. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's always important, I think, when you're going to quote someone that it's a word-for-word quote unless you really kind of say, you know, this is basically the gist of what somebody said. How will Ace do it in his book? Any idea? You know what? I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I think Ace is going to actually get quotes from various people, which will be actually, you know, really cool and very accurate. Cool. Kind of like, I don't know if you read the Aerosmith book. They they do that, actually. They have actual ex-managers or even band members, you know, who used to be in Aerosmith, you know, quoted and, and stuff like that, uh, which is, I, it worked out well. It's a great book if you haven't read it, the Aerosmith book, Walk This Way. Uh, a little outdated at this point because there's been many years uh, and more history to Aerosmith since it was written, but it's still a great read. Yeah, you know what, what Ace said is he said, look, he barely can remember things anymore either, and he has to get in touch with a lot of his old bodyguards and different people that worked with him in the past to get their version of what went on, and, you know, he's going to put that together with his version of what went on, and, you know, in his whole life, this is not just a book about his days with Kiss, this is a book about Ace's life, and I am really psyched. Excellent. So, guys, be sure to tune in to Talking Rock, we're going to have an interview up there with a band from indiana called healing sixes that i recently hung out with in a starbucks down in uh oh boy i don't even know what section of town that's called like um the east side kind of uh in midtown over that over in that area so uh again the talking rock podcast talking rock podcast.com john what else do you have well, I have something really interesting. I got a Facebook message from one of my old, longtime friends. His name is Louis Kiss. No relation to the rock group Kiss, but uh, his last name is actually Kiss. It's not a stage name. And uh, the cool thing about uh, Louis is that we used to be in a band together. He was one of the first people that got me into a lot of real metal back in the 80s, early 80s. It, you know, I had always been a Kiss fan, but what was great with Lou is that... Uh, he actually, you know, him and my other friend Don got me into Kerrang! magazine, and, and then I started finding out a lot about a lot of bands. And this was really maybe like 82, 81, 83. And uh, we actually went to see Kiss. Um, just me, Lou, we went to see Kiss twice. We went to see Kiss once, and uh, it was uh, Wasp opening up, I remember. And we also went to see Kiss when Accept opened up. That was in 84, and then Wasp opened up the, the following year. I think we even went to the one show that was canceled at uh, the Pittsburgh Civic Arena, which Kiss blew a transformer the day of the show, and they had to come back and reschedule it. I'm I'm not 100% sure on that, but anyway, we went to a couple of Kiss shows. But Lou is more known for doing makeup and being in horror movies. And if you research this guy, Louis Kiss, um, he's been in some big-name horror movies. He does... Or did uh, a lot of Rob Zombie's makeup. So this guy has total cred when it comes to making people look like monsters. So anyway, here's his um, letter. It's called Manowar Fun. Hey, John, it's no secret I used to be a huge Manowar fan. But for the last ten years, they have really gone downhill by releasing only two studio albums. And then he says, both sucked. One EP last year, which was pretty good. Three live CDs and five live DVDs. Absolute Power DVD is pretty excellent, but filmed poorly. 
Now they are re-recording battle hymns with everyone except Ross the Boss, who was the creative guy behind the band. Um, and then it says, I mentioned I was a longtime fan and cordially expressed my dislike of this on their Facebook forum, as well as a few others, and they deleted all of our posts and banned us. It is official that I am no longer a Manowar fan since they are not true to their word and Joey DeMeo has acted like a cult leader for too long. Thought you would get out a kick of this since you know how much of a fan I used to be of them. I've been listening to mostly Machine Head, Cradle of Filth, and Fields of the Nephilim has been one of my favorite bands for a long time. Hope things are well with you. Rock on. Louis Kiss. So anyway, great letter, Lou. And uh, boy, that's kind of weird that you posted some negative comments and they deleted them. Yeah. I'm not surprised, and I'm not going to name any names, but there are other bands that do the same thing. Even other quote-unquote fan forums where they're so, you know, they kiss so much ass to the band that if you go on to these forums and post something just ever so slightly negative, uh, it will get deleted. Uh, Even the Talking Metal forums. uh, I've gone on there and wrote, Talking Metal sucks ass. Next thing I know, it's deleted. (laughs) Hey, we don't run that one, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, our good friend doesn't, you know, thanks to anybody who tries to protect Talking Metal. No, I, I just, I'm just kidding about the Talking Metal forums. Although we, we have deleted one or two comments off there that, uh, you know, have been extremely hateful and, and negative. Uh, but um, we, we are open to criticism. And if you have some, listen, go to the Talking Metal forums and... Uh, let your voice be heard. It's TalkingMetalForums.com. The, pe- the password is Metal Mike. It's all one word. Our good friend Metal Mike from the Halford Band. And, uh, well, enough talk. Let's get into some more music here and hear from our, our, uh, our main man, our main guest today, Brian Tishy. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this interview with Brian, uh, one of my good friends from back in the day at Berkeley. Cool. This is Brian, Zach Wilde, and Derek Sherinian. The song is called Man With No Name. It is available on iTunes. Use those links in today's show notes at TalkingMetal.com to, to open up your iTunes and take you directly to this song. Uh, it was released back in 2006 on Derek Sherinian's record. Again, Man With No Name by Brian Tishy, Derek Sherinian, and Zach Wilde. Then we'll get right into our interview with Brian Tishy.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and on the line we have Brian Tishy. Brian, how are you today? Good. I'm, I'm great. I'm ready for metal. Excellent, excellent. I wanted to mention the first time I ever saw you play was when I was in college uh, back at Berkeley. My neighbor was a guy named Rob Bailey, and he took me down to... Wow. One of your, uh, I guess they call them recitals, and uh, we were we were blown away. You were behind the drums. You were in, putting a guitar on and doing shredding and uh, just all over the place. And, <laughs> oh, uh, you saw that? That's a long time ago, man. I was like the '60s, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, not quite, but close to it. Um, <laughs> I got up and did a little. I think I did a sweet pick thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our players there. Then I knew how to sweet pick. Yeah, yeah. That, that got me really far in the business. I'll tell you. Kids, drum, drummers, work on your sweet pick skills. Drummers, <laughs> right. There you go. Now, yeah, especially. especially a little bit of sweeps, some Baganini, uh, Caprices, and you'll do fine. <laughs> now, I want to talk a little more about your past, but first let's talk about what you're up to now. You were recently with George Lynch, and now are you moving over to Whitesnake? Uh, it's all, it's like, they, they work in tandem in my life. Uh, Lynch is happening now because it's just fun to play with George. <laughs> and uh, Whitesnake starting next year. I, it, it, you know, in a nutshell, I, I kind of I left Foreigner in in April. You know, I guess we're not really talking metal right now since we talk Foreigner, but we are talking rock. Right. And uh, and um, I left them in April. A couple days later, I, I got home, just kind of really wanting to spend more time at home and and create an open road. Uh, and see what happened. Yeah, that was interesting to me, and I thought life is short, and I should try something like that. And a couple of days later, Doug Aldridge uh, emailed me and said he wanted to talk about some stuff, and we had did a benefit together in January. So it basically was like, hey, dude, do you want to uh, join up in Whitesnake? And we had you know, about some other stuff we potentially we could do together down the road. But that was it. And I was like, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk. And, and it worked out, and there you go. And, and uh, it included doing the record in June, so the drums were completed in June, and uh, then I went out with Lynch, and the Lynch thing was is is kind of you know as long as we're all together and we can do it, we'll we'll do some we'll work together, you know. So uh, right now that's why that's why I can do George right now because uh, uh, White Snake's not starting until you know next year sometime, maybe February March. Now you played on Ace's new record on a song called Fox on the Run, an old cover of a Sweet song. What was it like meeting Ace? Really, for me, that's like, you know, I, I went in the studio, I did the drum track, you know, I, I kind of came in and did it at the end of, you know, most of the stuff was already done, and uh, so it wasn't like Ace and I were hanging out in the studio <laughs> tracking together. I wish right. we were, because I grew up on Kiss, they were my first band I got into, and uh, but it's pretty awesome to be uh, to be able to, to say, you know, yeah, my name is, is on as a credit of being a drummer on an Ace really solo record, because really that was... Uh, that was the band my dad took me to see on the Dynasty tour at Madison Square Garden when I was 11, and uh, that was my first rock concert, and it, and it, it, it just it changed my life. I mean, those are that's what you know these they, those guys. I'm sure they get it, but you know at the same time, that's a reality. That that fantasy is still a reality to us. Like, you know, oh, we're we're in, we're professional musicians and drummers, but when we were kids and we go to see a band like Kiss, they they were superheroes. They were not of this world. And they, they changed our lives, you know. So, and you're sitting there in Madison Square Garden with your dad, and here goes, here comes Kiss on stage, 
you know, that's a, that's a, that was a huge deal, and and I never forget about that stuff. So it's so it, it means more to me to just be able to say that I'm playing on an ace record than uh, you know, than uh, you know, you know, whatever, getting paid for something here or there. You know, just having that, you know, that's a personal achievement to me. That means a lot. You know, right. Going back to uh, let's your post Berkeley days, when when uh, you left Berkeley. How long was it before you had uh, joined up with Zach? Um, it was a few years. It was uh, probably between '89 and I started playing with him in '93. That was like four years. You know, I did, yeah, I, I. It wasn't like I left Berkeley and started playing with Zach. It was, uh, it was um, a few years later, '93. So yeah, in between that, I did some other stuff, definitely. So what were you? What were you up to in that in between time? Well, I mean, the most notable thing I did that was that took up, you know, the better part of a year was uh, playing with uh, the guitar virtuoso Vinnie Moore when he was, <clears throat> Vinnie's now in UFO, right. but back in the day, he was like one of the top cats, you know, you had your Yngwies and Tony McAlpine and Satch and Vi and all that, but Vinnie was right there along with him, and he's an insanely amazing guitar player, um, it's just completely insane, he's like flawless, and, 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 and that was me. And JD, once again, JD, the bass player from Black Label Society. Now, is he? It was Vinny, JD, and myself, and we toured on Vinny's record called Meltdown. I didn't play the drums on it. I just uh, went and auditioned for the tour and all that stuff. And we toured, you know, uh, clubs all over the U.S. for I don't know seven, eight months, and and including uh, two weeks um, opening up for Rush, which was a huge, amazing wow. surprise to us as we were playing clubs. Yeah, the, the manager goes, "Hey, Eric Johnson can't finish out the last two weeks of the Rush tour." Um, you guys are on. We're like, what? Yeah, two nights at the Spectrum, two nights at the Garden. So that was a huge full circle to come come back to <laughs> Madison Square Garden with my Tama drums from uh, high school and be on, on Neil Peart's stage. You know, it was just, it was overwhelming, you know, to be able to do that. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was like, you know, the year or two before Zach. And I played with this uh, singer, Sass Jordan. Uh, she's, a, she's an awesome kind of bluesy, gritty singer. And, uh, a bunch of other people. This guy, uh, Stevie Salas, an awesome guitar player. We had a band with uh, Bernard Fowler, who uh, who sings um, Backgrounds with the Stones, and uh, Carmine Rojas, a bass player who plays with uh, Joe Bonamassa now. So there's all these little different things going on, you know. Um, and, uh, man, there was a band called Zebra back in the day. I'm sure, you yeah. know, I mean, I don't know if everybody knows who Zebra is, but uh, I, was, I had their first record when I was in high school. I remember hearing their song, Tell Me What You Want. and right. Yeah, definitely. And it was a you know, very, very Zeppelin type band and stuff. And uh, and they, they, they were on Atlantic. They, I guess they split up or whatever. And, and the singer Randy Jackson was putting a new band together. So I, I was involved with him for a bit. Did did his record and uh, you know, it never, I don't, it never uh, came out in the states. I don't know what happened really. You know, but uh, I did it. And it's somewhere out there. You know. Um, but yeah, there was that was those few years of playing clubs and teaching and and you know playing with any more and and getting out to LA a bit and getting tied in with some people out there, you know. And then then ultimately, you know, through the uh, Jersey connection, I you know hooked up and played with with Zach a bit and uh, you know a couple club jams in the clinic or whatever, you know. So and that was Pride um, and Glory. Yeah, that became Pride and Glory. Yeah, that was uh, we started. Um, what do you call it? We started. Uh, that in the summer of '93, I got in, rehearsed, did the record up in Seattle, and then, uh, um, yeah, then it came out in '94. We toured all of '94 for it. Now let's talk about just you mentioned Foreigner. We've mentioned Zach, uh, Ace. 
White Snake, George Lynch. Let's talk about some of these other people you've played with. Billy Idol. How did you hook up with him? Uh, just a, a buddy of mine, the drummer, Mark Shulman, at the time, had to, was, was leaving Billy, and he just needed somebody to fill in for a few weeks of a summer tour, and uh, that was 2001. It just kind of went on. You know, I just kept playing with him. <clears throat> and uh, ultimately, we became writing partners and wrote his next record together, Devil's Playground, and a couple songs from The Greatest Hits that came out a few years ago, and, you know, all the touring in between, and, and uh, a Christmas record, too, which was a lot of fun. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, we, um, man, that was 2001 to somewhere in the beginning of 2009, and, uh, you know, just, um, you know, he's touring this year. I just uh, opted to not do his... Uh, his next, uh, you know, this this uh, 2010 tour and stuff. But, yeah, we did a lot of work together, more than I, I think either of us pictured was going to happen, you know? Right, right. Cool. And how do you like, yeah. get gigs like this? You're obviously a great drummer. I mean, I'm sure that's that's the majority of it. But is there a, a word of mouth that, that goes on uh, amongst the the musician community? Yeah, I just, it's just really not so much, you know, having to do anything with the drums. I just kiss a lot of ass. I, I, I find out where they, I find out where they live. I kind of find out where they hang out. I find out where they shop. I, I'm, you know, I take a certain chunk of my week and dedicate it to following stars around, mainly Hollywood, you know, in the Valley out here. And yeah, and you know, I just, you know, just want to go, hey, remember me? And I'll just kind of start dropping names and I'll always have like, you know, an eight by 10 color glossy myself. And I, I, you know, I babble away about, you know, you know, how much I'd love to play with these guys. And, and, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Works, huh? you know, it, yeah, it works. But the thing is, you got to put a lot of time and focus into this. I mean, other, while other people are practicing, right. this is what I'm doing, you yeah. know, and, and look, you know, Hey, you know, it doesn't work out for everybody, but, no man, I it was just you just play and you hopefully right. hopefully you're 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 somebody that people can get along with and hopefully you play uh with enough spunk and pizzazz to uh get them interested in your drumming, you know? And and um I mean I guess at this point, you know, yeah, I play with a bunch of different people and some of the stuff to me it's all rock drums, it's all the same as uh sitting there with your favorite records and putting them on and trying to emulate your favorite drummers. You know, that's kinda how you know? I guess when you go into these gigs, you, I approach it. I, I, we're more like a chameleon, you know. But as a kid, I was a chameleon. I put on, you know, a Van Halen record and and play and pretend I was Alex, and then I put on a Rush record and pretend I was Neil Peart, you know. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't play the Van Halen record like I was Neil. I'd play it like I was Al, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you just get in a Billy Idol, and you don't really play it like you're in Zach Wilde's band, and you get in a, you know, Foreigner, and you don't play it like you're in Lynch Mob, you know. So. It's just try to try to stay true to your stay true to what the band was, you know. So when people come and see them, they're they're getting what they uh what they what they know and love about the band for the most part. You can't really get you can't really mess around with the with a foreigner song too much. You really want to keep it, you know, keep it true to what it is. And uh, you know, but some other stuff like with Lynch, you know, he he encourages taking some chances, you know, and going off the uh, off the deep end a bit. Cool. So, now, you did yeah. some touring even with Ozzy at one point, right? Yeah, 2000 Ozfest in 2000. That was a total highlight. Yeah, that was, that was to me, that was huge. That was, still is. Still, that's like one of the biggest highlights. I got to play with, with you know, this guy I grew up on, you know. I mean, yeah, I worshipped those Randy records and Sabbath and, you know, to be able to, I always look at it like just playing the hi-hat part on War Pigs. That's like the, right. the, the that's like the pinnacle right there. You know, when he's going, gathered in the masses, you know, and and you're going, 
come on, man. Yeah. That's like, I don't know, that or doing the uh, field, you know, over the mountain or something, you know. But, yeah, the whole thing was amazing. Come on, the plane plane, and right before us was Pantera, so I'd get to sit there and warm up to watching, you know, Vinnie Paul and Dime and Phil and Rex, you know, that was, uh, uh, you can't beat it. Can't beat it at all. Get it. Cool. And did you have much interaction with Ozzy, like, in downtime and as the tour went on? Yeah, you know, we'd, um, you know, we we, we, we invested in, in, in um, buildings together, and we, we actually had a construction company, uh, you know, because we had a lot of time, and, and, and you know, what are we supposed to do at that time, you know? No, I, you know, no it, was, uh, it was like all, you know, it was a kind of a whirlwind summer, man. We, we It wasn't like I... Uh, became best buddies with him and yeah i guess at this point if he remembered my name i'd be impressed yeah right <laughs> you know and, and that's not a slight to ozzy i'm just saying i was you know at all i thought you know i was just saying that i was kind of in and out quickly you know i was there for the summer and and uh you know i just wanted to make him happy and i was happy to be there and i was it was great to play with joe holmes and, and trujillo there they were it was a great band i thought we sounded great together i have uh it was a lot of fun to play with them, but I came in and was just like, all right, tell me what to do. I'll do it. I don't care. I'm here to make you guys uh, happy. So, you know, my first rule in those situations, or at least back in the day, was just keep your mouth shut and play the drums, you know, show up and hit the drums and make sure that, that, uh, that you're getting your job done. Everything else will fall into place. You know, it's funny you mentioned Joe Holmes because I mean, he, he, to me was played a lot of tours with Ozzy and, in the history books, he is almost kind of uh, forgotten. Everybody thinks of Randy and even Jakey Lee and and Zach, but uh, but Joe Holmes was a great player who played with Ozzy for a long time. Uh, have you heard from Joe lately? No, no, I haven't at all. Every now and then, I hear from a friend of a friend kind of thing, but I really couldn't tell you exactly what he's doing right now. I, anything I'd be saying is is is, uh, is a guess, but I can say that for somebody that had to cover. I only rode Lee and and Zach. You know that's that's a tall order, and he nailed it every night. He, you know, if I could watch the YouTube clip here or there, you know, you see something, you know, listen to Joe play. He's he was just, it, 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 you know, I give him so much credit for being able to do that. You know, that's what you want. You you know, it'd be awesome if he could use his own, you know, whatever his own voice is, and and become his own person within you know the world of Ozzy. But at the same time. You've got a job to do, which is to make those songs sound sound as good as you can, and and you've got to, you know, play licks by some of the best guitar players in the world. But what do you? How much you want to mess with that? You know, I mean, I I know Zach's got his own style, but you know, not everybody's Zach Wild. Not every guitar co- player comes out and and becomes, you know, his own entity. Some guys are just great, well-rounded players, and and uh, can can jump into any world and and do a great job. And I think Joe in, in Ozzy's world was amazing. I mean, he played every he was so flawless every night. His tone was killer. His groove was killer. I, yeah, I think I put him up there with all those guys, totally. The only thing he didn't get a chance to do was fully write and record with Ozzy as Joe Holmes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Whereas Randy, Jake, Zach, and Tony did. They, they, all had that, that, they all had that time of their life where they got to focus on being a songwriter with Ozzy, put the record out, and support that, that record. You know, no, like Jake, come on, every, you know, I, Randy comes out with Crazy Train, I don't know. Jake comes out with Bark of the Moon. Zach comes out with, um, you know, No Rest for the Wicked, Miracle Man, and No More Tears. Every, everybody, and, you know, and, and Tony, come on, you, whatever, you know, you got Black Sabbath and the Paranoid. They all made their mark with Ozzy. Joe didn't have that one point, and when the record did come out, it was a little bit of a mishmash of like a 
you know, Zach playing on it, Joe playing on it, different songwriters, you know, all that. It wasn't the same as any of those other guitar players being able to be in a, a writing environment with, with Ozzy. So, so in my opinion, he didn't really get a fair, a fair shot at being Joe Holmes and Ozzy. He right. got a lot. Good point. And yeah, I mean, right there, it's pretty much the end of the, the end, of, end of the deal right there. It's not, it's not, a. It's, he's not um, in, the, in the same playing field as, as those guys, you know? Right. But was the record before? I think there was, with Dean Castronova, was it Osmosis maybe with Perry Mason? Yeah, I think that was Osmosis, right? Yeah, yeah Zach did that record, and, and then Joe joined, you know? And then they didn't do another record until I think it was 2001. Uh, back to Earth, whatever it was. That, that, I'm just saying that wasn't a... And that was like back on some of it. Joe wrote some of it. It wasn't, you know, producer wrote some of it, stuff like that. It wasn't the same as, uh, you know, I'm sure when Zach got in with Ozzy, you know. So, right. anyways, but yeah, I think he's, he's, he's you know, anybody that talk, says anything about him, it's it's easy to to, to put him, in, you know, it's easy to kind of make a, a joke about him or whatever. But I I think he he did an amazing job and um, watch him play, man. How many people? Seriously, how many people are going to get up there and and uh, you know? And, and cut that gig. There's not many people. There's a lot of amazing guitar players on this planet, but not all those amazing guitar players can get up there and, and deliver the goods with the, you know for 40 years of, of killer guitar playing with Ozzy Osbourne. You know. Yeah, totally. So agree. like you know like like I don't know much about Gus G and stuff like that. I know he's great and but you know and he's got a lot of press and attention. And that's that's awesome. It's also you know a different era now. It's a little bit more internet related. When Joe came in. You know, whatever the mid '90s, we weren't. It wasn't. You know, the whole the media through the internet is just such a a bigger, huger, quicker thing. As soon as something happens, everybody's watching. You know, the, uh, how much footage you can see of Joe Holmes playing with Ozzy, but you're probably more of Gus G on on uh, on YouTube now than of Holmes. Yeah. You know. Totally. Totally. So, um, but uh, anyways, yeah, they they're a great band. It was great. It was it was it was a it was a great thing to do. It had it was a lot. It was a challenge you have to rise up to and, and hit it hard <laughs> now you've done some work with slash uh solo and also in velvet revolver can you talk about hooking up with him how how did you first meet him oh uh, yeah yeah um well that was through uh that was back when we were playing with pride and glory we all did a jam together and slash came up and said it gives guitar jam and um uh, then the next year when, when uh pride and glory stopped working it was in 95 Slash was doing uh, the Snake Pit thing. He was getting that all rolling, but uh, Matt Sorum had done the record, done the drums, and I guess at that point he just wasn't ready to go out and tour, you know, do that whole thing again. So um, it, we had similar management. So the management called me and said, "Hey, come down and jam with Slash." And and uh, it ended up being James Lomenzo and I in, in the Snake Pit band, and uh, James and I were in uh, uh, with Zach together in Pride and Glory. So it. But I, I love Slash's playing. We're, we're friends to this day, and um, I, I hope that, you know, in one capacity or another, you know, for decades and decades, we, we play together. You know, I, I love his passion as a guitar player. I love what he, yeah, how true he stayed to himself. You know, I love that he came out at a time where it was all guitar heroics, you know, that, that late yeah. 80s thing was all yeah. about Flash and post-Eddie Van Halen and Post Ingve and 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 he came out playing exactly how he grew up. You know the Page, Joe Perry, and 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 uh, but yeah, it was it was it was kind of trippy watching this guy, this band get so huge, and he really is a guitar hero in every sense of the word, and and he sounds like himself. You know his vibrato, his feel, 
and you know so that's you know and and his just his passion about music you know he really he lives and breathes it and he's you know put himself, he's gotten himself to a point where he can just wake up and be that guy that you know most people you know fantasize about living a day like you know and he but he's a it all stems from his love of music, you know, his love of the guitar. And, and uh, so I have total respect for that, you know, to watch somebody, you know, come out of nowhere and be that guy. That's right. him, you know. Now, Guys like him and Zach and stuff, yeah. When Matt Sorum, I believe he was injured, right, you stepped in and, and did uh, a series of shows with Velvet Revolver, correct? Yeah, not many people know this, but I kind of, you know, I made sure that injury happened because yeah. I knew – you know, there was a good chance if he if he's not available to finish this tour, I can get in there. Right. There you so go. you know, I mean that's another thing. I know where he lives. I know the friends he keeps. I know where he shops. I just made sure that you know there's a little bit of an accident. You know, right. he doesn't know what happened, but <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, I don't know what happened. I think he, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know. He hurt his finger. He hurt he injured a finger to the point where he, he uh, you know, couldn't play the drums for for a month or whatever. So. uh yeah, they, the Slash just gave me a call, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of, I was working with Billy Idol at the time. We were, we were on tour. We had a three-week break, and I literally got off the plane in L.A. and went straight to rehearsal with, with those guys. And, and for the three nights before, I was in the tour bus just learning the whole record. And uh, it was great. I didn't play some Stone Temple. I, I would cover a song or two of theirs and uh, Guns N' Roses stuff and the whole Velvet record. It was, it was great. I mean, playing with Duff and Slash and... You know, the, you know, the whole band. I mean, they're a great, they're a great rock band. So that, yeah, it was a lot of fun to kind of get out of the, the Billy Idol world and and uh, jump into more of a hard rocking thing. Do you think that Velvet Revolver will uh, resurface with another singer? I know they say they're going to, but it seems like it's kind of been dragging out with the auditions and and uh, you know. I, I you know, just, I think mean, it's just my opinion. You know, and, and and I would never say one opinion for one band goes for all bands at all, but. Uh, I would say, you know, it's like, hey, Van Halen went to become a whole new thing with Sammy. You know, ACDC went to become a whole new thing with Brian Johnson. Not that whole new thing, but you would think that's, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. So, yeah, of course, Velvet Revolver could get a new singer and do that. But it was kind of like the Guns N' Roses guys already started a new band with the Stone Temple guy. You know, it was like those two bands more or less came together for Velvet Revolver. Right. I don't know. It's the has got that sound. You know, they sold millions of records. They had some good success. You know, maybe, uh, you know, it, I don't know. Maybe it could be somebody else and just put a new name on it, you know? Yeah. It, it, Revolver, you know, Wyland's a great, great front man. He's got a really distinguished, distinguishable voice, you know? He's a, he's a character. He's got a personality, you know? And now you're going to have to have somebody else go up there and, I don't know, so does Sammy Hagar. He had to go up and sing David Frost songs. And Dave's like the best of the best, you know, as, as far as a personality and a front man. So it can be done. I don't know. If you find the right guy, maybe you could do it. But I think there's something fun in starting something new, you know. I think that's always a, a fun thing, you know, like a new combination of people that sound a certain way maybe don't really need to be called Bolt Revolver. But, of course, if it's Slash and Duff and Matt, you could do some Guns N' Roses. You could do some Velvet Revolver, and if you have your new band called, uh, you know, the Whatever Guys, right, you know, right. well, and he's from another band, you can, you know what I mean? You just, you can mix and match. You can always play as long as Slash, Duff, and 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 Matt are together, and and Dave Kushner, you know, if he's if he's in there too, if it's those four, they get a new singer, they call a new band name, well, you can still pick from Guns N' Roses and 
and Velvet Revolver songs. I don't know. That's that sounds fun to me. Um, but at the same time, maybe it sounds fun to them to get a new singer and call it Velvet Revolver. I mean, Van yeah. Halen with and Carrie Sharon and, and kept it going. So, you know, who who knows? You know, it's just my opinion. But uh, I think it's entertaining. You know, to uh, just keep trying to. I don't know. If it's a new combination and it brings about a new sound, why not call it something new? You know, you've already proven that you've over revolver can be successful. You've already done it, you know? Yep. So if you know, if you guys feel like it's Bill Revolver, I guess call it Bill Revolver. If you feel like it's something new, maybe call it something new. Any thoughts on Duff McKagan getting on stage with uh, Axel? No, I think I think uh rather than, you know, my opinion meaning anything, I think life is life and life is short and uh Eventually, all these guys that 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 you know that broke ground and hit new highs together. I think it's kind of you know if nobody was like all out now just to you know it's, if nobody was just like the bully of the band and to the point where it's just a rude insulting person that nobody wants to be around. If it's like hey man we all went through our stuff. I don't I don't know Axel. I have no I can't uh, you know opine on on him in a personal level of any kind. You know, the guys in his band probably think he's amazing and he's probably a great guy. And then there's probably stories of other stuff. But I wasn't around for it, so it's just, uh, you know, stories to me, you know. But right. I think uh, getting up there, I think it's fine. You know, it's like, why not, man? How many years have gone by? Time right. time moves on and, and what are you going to do? You know, you, you want to you wanna try and make good days out of your time above ground or you want to, you know, keep, like, harping on stuff that bothered you a decade ago, you know? So if Duff, if Duff got up there and played, that's cool. You know, I never, I don't ever remember there being a problem with Duff and and, and Axel. You know, I I don't really remember. You know, so maybe it was just uh, he was caught in the middle of a bunch of stuff, so he just kind of stayed away from everything. But uh, whatever. You know, I I don't know. Was, I'm sure people are psyched to hear it. Any combination of those guys together with Axel is going to bring a lot of, of interest. You know, so. I guess that's good. I, I like anybody else would love to see the original Appetite band together doing that. That was just, gee, man, I saw that. I saw that Paradise City video uh, with Aerosmith and Deep Purple at Giant Stadium. You know, I was there, and that was they were that was an intense show. They were just you could just feel it. There was no nobody was going to touch them on that stage that day. You know, you had Aerosmith and Purple, the biggest bands in the world, and Guns N' Roses just owning it. They were just forget it. That's who people. That's that's what people were losing their minds about. I mean, Sweet Child was just getting huge, you know. So, yeah, that was, uh, they're, they're that band, man. They get it together and do it again. It would be, uh, be huge. But then it's like, does Robert Plant really want to sing, uh, does he really want to sing Led Zeppelin one songs the rest of his life? You know, he's Robert Plant. He's already proven. You know, some Guns N' Roses doesn't do it, man. You know, that'd be cool. It would be really cool, but, you know. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's one band. There's a lot of great music out there. You know, it is, it is one of the best bands ever, but I don't know. Are they, you know, the thing is, they probably would sound really good, though, together. They'd probably put Izzy and Adler back in there with, with just get the five original guys. It, it probably would sound really, you know, it would have that sound that we all know from, from Appetite. I, I think they're all still playing, you know, they're all still playing like they, they used to play. It's not like uh, Axel can't sing those parts or something like that or, it's not like Slash is uh, not playing guitar all the time and shredded. You know, he's tearing it up still. So I think uh, it probably, probably would be awesome. Any expectations on the uh, new Van Halen record rumored to surface sometime in 2011? Well, if, there's one, if there is a new one with Dave, I'll listen to it. And, and 
probably find a lot of great stuff to dig about it, but if it doesn't happen, then I still crank my old Van Halen records in total, you know, awe. Because <laughs> right. I still listen to every top to bottom, every second of those records blows me away. You know, so I'm good. I'm good on this planet with all those records. You know, I I love that band so much. I love every single thing about them. You know, I I can't. I know Van Halen won through 1984, top to bottom, on the drums. I can tell you all. I can probably hum it to you from top to bottom right now. And uh, yeah, I, so so I'm cool with that. Anything they do is good with me. Those four guys, you know. Well, I mean, I got to say, well, I guess it's it's Wolf Wolfgang, right? You know, yeah, I guess well, to be part of that. But uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm uh, you know, I'm partial to Michael Anthony because I think he was an integral part of that side of the stage. He made it fun. He sang those killer backgrounds. Yeah, I was he, gonna say the backing he, vocals. Yeah, he's really, you know, for for me, he's he's just as much a part of it, you know. And I, um, just as a fan, as a kid, I'm the kid that bought those records. I'm the kid that stared at those those. Uh, you know, the store books and stuff, you know, and bought the magazines and, and ate it all up, you know, lived and breathed it. So as a fan, so that's, that's, that's where I'll always be. But, uh, I also did get a chance to play with, with Eddie in his backyard in 2006. And he, and I remember he showed us a video of him and, and Wolfgang in the studio jamming and, wow. and Wolfgang sounded amazing. And I did see their last rehearsal with the LA forum before they did the whole tour a couple of years ago. And it sounded great. It was great. So you played with Eddie fun. in his backyard? Yeah, that's another thing. See, I found out where he lived, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, and I was just, up I, there. well, I started telling them, uh, the pizza delivery guy, it didn't work, so I, I started just saying I was the the, the newspaper delivery boy, and, you know, these, they hadn't paid, and there must be a mistake with the address or where they're sending the bill, and I made them all confused. That was all they had, confused them, and then when Eddie came down, and he opened up the gate, I said, okay, let's say, here's, you know, and then I gave him my 8 by 10 and I, demo tape and I, I actually had my car there and I had a little kit like I had a van I had a drum kit I started playing like hopper teacher so no it was uh, it was just a cover band thing he had a party in his backyard and he needed a band and somebody knows somebody who knows somebody and they said hey you should use this band and I ended up being in that band and uh, I was off the road with Billy Idol so it all worked out it was great yeah, he actually called my house and he got my number to ask me because I was playing with Billy and Billy was going to end up going and jamming with us but uh he goes, he has Brian there, and I'm like, is this him? He's like, yeah, it's Eddie Van Halen. I'm like, okay, it's one of my friends calling me right, because right. he knows I'm going to be playing with Eddie. He's just totally set me up. And I did the whole, oh, yeah, right. He goes, he goes, he goes, fucking Eddie Van Halen. He goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes, he, I already said something great. He's like, he goes, I'm good. he goes, you playing at my party? I go, yeah. He goes, well, I'm calling you. I'm like, all right, it's Eddie. That it was, <laughs> was awesome. That was so cool, man. It was so cool to go, you know, play. To play with him was was a whole other worldly experience too. That was another thing. That's a total highlight because he's got a groove like no other. He's got a groove and an under a feel for for music. Just it's just stupid. It's stupid. I can't even explain it. It's just right. like you're you're in this place that you're never really going to be with other guitar players or musicians. He's just one of those cats, you know. It's a true thing. And um, yeah, so uh, we we rehearsed the night before. We played this party. It was. Uh, it was a band called the Star Effers. I, I don't know if you're gonna, you know, if we should be cursing or stuff like that. Uh, so that's all right. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, the Star Fuckers. We just played some, you know, little, uh, you know, for years it was this ongoing band of just cover stuff. But we ended up playing this party, and uh, and he got up and jammed with us, and it was just, I mean, that was just, it was amazing just to be able to sit there. He showed showed me fifty one fifty, and uh, you know, 
was walking through there going, God, this is this place I've just, like, read about since I was a kid, stared at these pictures and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, that was a total highlight. It was just, awesome. you know, I was just hoping there would be somewhere down the line where Big Al Halen didn't really, wasn't in the gym with uh, Eddie on a certain day, and Eddie would just call oh, my yeah, number yeah. up and go, hey, bro, I feel like I feel like jamming. What are you doing? Yeah. I was like, dude, any time you want to play, any time I will be there, whatever it is, you know, so... You know, those are the things, man. Those are those little things, you know, on, on, on this planet, you know, what's, what's important to you. It's, it's not it, like that. That's, that's heavy duty to me. You know, these people that made me, uh, that affected me as a kid, you know, to be able to either to do something creative with them or be a drummer for them or, you know, all that stuff. That's all great. You know, it's just cool. It's just cool. That's all it is. It's cool because I still listen to them as the same kid, as the same fan. Right. You know? Well, Brian, thanks yeah. so much for joining us on Talking Metal. Yeah, I hope we talked enough metal. I hope it was metallic enough. Yeah, no, it definitely was, and you know we encourage. Should I everybody... should I tell you? Let's let's really bump up the metal in this. I love Pantera; they're my favorite metal band. But right next to them is Meshuggah. All right, oh, for anybody nice, out yeah. there, if, uh, if you haven't listened to Meshuggah, forget it. I I know there's tons of new awesome music out there, but for for me, they're the one band that's head head and shoulders above all the others. Uh, forget it. From uh, Destroy Race and Proof onward, Chaos Fear, nothing. Cash 22. What is it? Cash 33? <laughs> Cash 33. The other one, one. Or I. I. One. Whatever it is. And then uh, Obzet. Amazing. All of it. You should own it all. Cool. Love it. There you go. There's, there's, some, more, there's some more metal talk for you. I mean, on we that, uh, on that note, what, what Meshuggah song would you like to play for the Talking Metal listeners right now? Okay, do... I think it would be... Wait, wait, wait. Chaos Fear. It's track four. No, it's not track four. It's track... New Millennium Sinite. Christ, that's not the right one. That's hold on, track hold two. Hold on, let yeah. me plug in... Hold on, I'm going to get to the speakerphone. Let me, let me see what this what's, what's on, one this is. Wait, no. It's, God, it's, number, it's this one. It's Corridor of Chameleons. Hold on. This is, no, 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 it's not that. It's two. New Millennium... New, yeah, that's it. That's what I said. I, uh, it's New Millennium Cyanide Christ. That's on here. Let me plug Chaos back Fear, in. right. Hello? Hello. Okay, play that one. That's amazing. Um, New Millennium Cyanide Christ is on Chaos Fear. Do you have Chaos Fear? Yeah, we got it right here. Definitely. We will, we will track, kick into that. Track two.
This episode is brought to you in part by Purina. Purina is dedicated to creating richer lives for pets and the people who love them. From helping older pets think like their younger selves to making cat ownership a possibility for more people than ever. Purina is helping pets thrive so they can live long, healthy, and happy lives. Purina has you covered for all your furry friends' needs, whether they meow or bark. From litter to treats to their best-in-class, nutrient-packed food with taste your pets will love. Purina's got your back at every stage of your pet's life. Your pet gives you the joy of the spring sunshine all year round. So today and every day, care for your pet with Purina. Your pet is Purina's passion. To learn more, head to Amazon.com backslash Purina. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.